is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I was looking on, reading an article, I forget exactly the uh, location of that article. Fascinating article that said that between 6,000 and 10,000 churches, between six to 10,000 churches in the U.S. are dying each year. Yes, dying each year. That means that over 100 churches will die this week. And of course, there are others who are on like life support. All over the country this weekend, small handful of people, a small handful of people will gather in a huge building which once boasted very large congregations. Today, less than 20% of Americans attend church on a regular basis. And as a result, churches are dying in very large numbers. And this trend appears to be accelerating. So when churches die, what happens to the buildings? Well, a large number of abandoned church buildings have become wineries or breweries or bars. Now that's a sad commentary right there, I'll tell you that. But it's, it's the truth. Others have been converted into hotels, bed and breakfast. A few have been transformed into entertainment venues such as uh, indoor play, uh, playground for children or a laser tag arenas or a skate park. Why do you think churches are dying? Who do we blame for this? Who will step up to the plate and accept full responsibility for the fact that six to 10,000 churches are dying every year, which means 100 this week? Who can we blame? Who can, we, who can we blame? Now, before we look at who we can blame for the decline of the church, let's ask this question. Does God ever get sick of us going to church? Does God ever get sick of church? Let's just put it that way. Well, let's take a look at this verse in Isaiah 1 and verse 13. And I'm reading this from the Message Bible because I love the way this is put across. It says, quit your worship charades. Notice that. Quit it. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion while you go right on sinning. And that little phrase, while you go right on sinning, sinning, sinning. You know, if you're going to keep on sinning, just quit church is what God seems to be saying. Just quit it. Why are you even bothering with it? You know, why are you going to church? And I really believe that the, the, the concept of confession, especially that is as it's presented from the Catholic church, has done more to pervert our concept of what a true relationship with God is all about than probably any other church out there. Um, I remember watching a movie. It was a woman. She ran across the street. She got hit by a car. And she cries out for some Catholic priest to come by, and, and he does a few things over her and, and supposedly gets her saved as she's dying. You know, she made her confession right then, and, and then she dies, and, 
you know, straight through the pearly gates. There's a cabin in the sky, so be careful when you step out the door. But anyway, you know, she, she gets saved. But the idea that I can just confess this, it, I can just go on sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning, and all I got to do is just confess this. There is no victory. There is no overcoming sin. There is none of that. You know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And the world's churches just say, yeah, go ahead and keep sinning. Keep, you know, that, you know, just confess it. Just confess it. No, there is such a thing as victory. In a Christian's life, a true Christian with the Holy Spirit of God is supposed to be an overcomer. And that is get the victory over sin. Now, who can we blame for the decline of the churches? Can we blame the preachers? Okay, well, let's, let's consider this. Isaiah 30 and verse 8. Now, go write it before them in a table and note it in a book. You know, write this down. Take a little note. Let me remind you uh, that it may be for a time to come forever and ever that this, verse 9, is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Now, question. As a minister, you know this about your people. As a minister, you know this. Let me tell you something about your minister. Your minister knows you a lot better than you know yourself. I, I actually believe that. And what your minister knows about you, seated, taking up space in the church pew, what he knows about you this is this. You know, you're, you're really not that into changing. Changing what? Anything. Okay. So how would you build your mess, knowing this about your people, that your people are a lying children, rebellious, they will not hear correction, they will not hear the law of God, they're not going to put up with it. Now, as a minister, you know this, okay? You know this about your people. How are you going to build your message? How are you going to, consider this, consider this. What would happen if a minister got up there and gave a hard message on the seventh commandment? Thou shall not commit adultery. What do you think would happen? You know, the hallmark of America is adultery. I mean, it's the most common sin out there. All right? Half the people taking up space in church, sitting on the pew. I mean, would probably leave. Do you think they would like the message? Half the people are guilty of adultery. You think they're going to like that message? Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard a hard message on thou shalt not commit adultery in your church? Why haven't you ever heard a hard message on thou shalt not commit adultery in church? There's a reason why. It's because your minister knows you. That's the reason. All right, Isaiah 13, verse 10. Which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right thing, Things speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceit. Prophesy lies. Notice this. This is what the people are saying to the seers. This is what the congregation, the people in the church, are saying to the men of God. They're saying, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak smooth things. Tell us, preach to us lies. That's what they're saying. Okay? Now, Whose fault is it that what we hear in church preached is a bunch of pablum, a bunch of baby food? I told you the story about driving down the road. 
I don't know what possessed me, but I went to hear some religion on the radio. And I, I cut the radio on, <clears throat> on a religious channel. There's a preacher, and he said, he's preaching. Very eloquent voice. Why, Jesus said, lay the behold. Now, well, no, he wasn't like that. But anyway, he said, would you like to hear me talk like Donald Duck? And I, I, I said, what? Donald Duck? You know, where is Donald Duck in the Bible? And, uh, and he starts talking like Donald Duck. I mean, why? Why do you think this pablum exists? Tell us, you know, this is what the people are saying. Tell us what makes us feel better. Tell us a good joke. Well, yeah, let me hear you speak like Donald. That's cool. That's funny. You know, tell us something that makes us feel better. So can we blame the preacher for telling us what we really wanted in the first place? Make us feel better. I'm not asking for correction. I'm not asking for discipline. I'm not asking for the law of God. God forbid I'd be asking for the law of God. You know, that old, that old mess has been nailed to the cross. It's been done away with. It's been abolished. We hate it anyway, the law of God. Yeah, that's what you hear. Why do you think you hear that? It's because that's what the people want. It's what the people make us feel good. Why are churches dying? Between six and 10,000 churches in the U.S. are dying every year. That means... 100 churches will die this week. Now, I'll tell you another reason churches are dying. False theology. False theology. Now, churches pride themselves on thinking they've got the right theology. They really do. They really do. They think they got it right. Let me inform you about something. The Protestants came out of Catholicism, where one earned his salvation by works. Now, the Protestants could see that the Bible clearly taught that the opposite, that salvation is by grace. And that's true. Salvation is by grace. But the Protestants jumped from the Catholic ditch of works for salvation to the opposite ditch of antinomianism. You see, the pendulum never swings correctly to the middle the right way. It's always one extreme to the other. One extreme to the other. And so they went to the complete other ditch of antinomianism. Now the antinomian teaching says this, that under the gospel of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is all that is necessary for salvation. Antinomian teaching says is one who rejects a socially established morality. Yeah. That's what it is. So if you want to know why Christianity hasn't worked, I've just explained it to you. False theology. No, it's, it does matter. There is morality that is explained in the Bible. It's called the Ten Commandments. And no, the Ten Commandments have not been done away with. They have not been abolished or nailed to the cross or anything like that. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do we see... A, a nation getting closer to God. Do we see a nation getting closer to God? In a moment of quiet time, Billy Graham confessed to his family and friends that he felt like he'd been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After being seen and heard by millions, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. Now, how do you deal with this? That, we're no that we are no closer to God, we're not closer to God. Do you just block this out of your mind? 
or do you fall for, well, the Lord's working mightily here today. He just healed Bertha Butt's big toe. Praise Jesus. Is that what you follow? I mean, you think it's working mightily? How do we see a nation that is not getting closer to God? Today we are reaping the, the results of this teaching, this antinomian teaching, lawlessness everywhere. We are on the brink of a breakdown of a society because of this antinomian teaching. And again, this antinomian teaching says that under the gospel of grace, the moral law is of no obligation because faith alone is all that is necessary for salvation. And of course, James said, faith without works is dead. That's what your Bible says. All right. So, you know, you build your faith in God on a wrong theology. Your Christianity doesn't work. And that's what Billy Graham was seeing. That after years of preaching, this nation was no closer to God. You see, that's because of a false theology. One who adapted this antinomian teaching. That says just oh just just faith just just faith that's faith faith that's all you got you know no it's not enough faith without works is dead now people will say well it works for me my religion works for me I'm saved and heaven bound how many times do you hear I'm saved and that's all I care about I'm I'm saved and heaven bound my religion works great for me well okay how about your neighbor down the street how about that meth lab down the street how about your granddaughter that just got knocked up by some boy and he's not going to father the child at all. Is it working great for her? Is it working great for that, those people in that, on that, got that meth lab down there with half their teeth missing and they're rotted out or whatever, addicted to every kind of drug? You know, is it, how, how's, life, how's Christianity working in their, in their life? You know, has Christianity really worked? Are we getting closer to God as a nation? You see, a church that does not require anything from you, nothing is what you'll get in return. Let me repeat that. Because a lot of you are going to a church where nothing is required from you. Okay? You've heard that. Just believe. Just accept. Just give your heart to the Lord. Just invite Jesus into your heart. A lot of you are going to a church where nothing is required from you. And nothing is what you're getting in return. Law has been abolished. There's nothing you must do. No obligation to the moral law. A church that doesn't require anything from you, nothing is what you'll get in return. Therefore... 100 churches will die this week. So who do we blame for the fact that 100 churches will die every week, each week? Okay, let me tell you who to blame. Find you a mirror. You have your answer. Look at the man or woman in the mirror, and you will have your answer as to why churches are dying. It's because of what you want. It's the message that you want. It's the message that you want to hear. Isaiah 30 and verse 10. Do not give us word of what is true, but say false things to give us pleasure. Isaiah 30 and verse 11. Get you out of the way. This is God speaking. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy... No, no, excuse me. This is what people are saying to God. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Notice this. Yeah, let me rephrase this. I misquoted this. This is what the people are saying to God. Get you out of the way. Get out of the way, God. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Yeah, it's, it's when government replaces God. Yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's not true. Uh, we Christians love God. Well, then why are there six 
to 10,000 churches closing every year, if that's true. Who do we blame that on? Unbelievers? No, there's only one person we can blame that on. The man or the woman in the mirror. Okay, what is the next thing that we can expect? As churches continue to decline, what can we expect? Well, actually, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us. In Isaiah 30, and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity, this sin, shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly and at an instant. You know, where I live, I live down in Pinhook, and there's a, sometimes we, me and my wife go down to the dam, Smith Mountain Lake Dam, have a little picnic down there. It's a place, it's a really beautiful place below the dam, and uh, it's beautiful because there's never anyone down there. It's like uh, you can go there, there the 4th of July. You can go there on major holidays, and, and what I figured out is people don't get together. Families don't get together and have picnics anymore. Children don't get together. You know, they don't, children don't get together with their family anymore. They don't stay with their family. They don't, people don't have picnics anymore. I go down there, major holiday, and we're the only ones there. Oh, it may be a couple others, but it's just something people don't do anymore as a family. But I thoroughly enjoy it going down there. And it's, this analogy in Isaiah, <clears throat> where it talks about a breach and a wall swelling out, you look at that dam, Smith Mountain Lake Dam, and imagine if you were looking at it and you notice, you know, there's a swell in it. It shouldn't be there. I'm not saying that's the way it is. I'm just saying imagine this. And there's some leaks and there's some water spewing out here, there, and yonder. And some cracks in the dam. And the wall is starting to swell out in, 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 in this one area. And you know the weight of the water that's behind it. And you know that one day, it may be safe to have your picnic there for today. It may be safe for you and your family today to have your picnic below the dam. But you know, one day, that dam is going to break. And when it does, you better get out of the way. <laughs> you know, you're going to get washed away. So this is what Isaiah is saying to us. It says, look. And I, I believe we're closer to this time than any of us can imagine when the dam is going to break and all hell is going to break loose because of our rebellion, because our religion has not changed America and made it better far as the process of time, the past 50 years, that which Billy Graham spoke of, he did not see a nation. Now, I do believe our nation was built on Christian principles that established a godly nation. We could talk about that with the original, you know, development of America, starting point of America. But we're, we're pay, way past that. I'm talking about today's religion. I'm talking about today's religion. If you go back 50 years ago, we're not getting closer to God. Okay, we're drifting further away, and there's a reason for that. The voice of morality has always been the church. In fact, lift up your voice like a trump. Show my people their sins. There was a time in history where churches did just that. They showed people their sin. It wasn't about 
building a mega church. It wasn't about appeasing people. It wasn't about whether you like me or not or get along with me. It was about speaking against sin and talking about morality. But you see, we've abandoned that agenda long. The churches of today have abandoned that agenda a long time ago of lifting up your voice like a trump, showing my people their sins. It's not even about that anymore. It's about money. It's about prestige. It's about, you know, yeah, egos that men have and appeasing those egos and leadership roles and I'm, a spirit, I'm your spiritual mucky muck and follow me into the promised land. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of problems out there when it comes to religion. Believe me, there's a lot of problems. But the voice of the church has gone quiet for years. Lift up your voice like a trump. Show my people their sin. You know, if you did a survey of religious people and you said, what is the definition of sin? You ask a hundred religious people, what is the definition of sin? Probably, I don't know if it'd be one, probably not, who could tell you the definition of sin as far as from the Bible. 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of God's law, the Ten Commandments. So if you're breaking the Ten Commandments, you're sinning, you see. But anyway, we abandoned that agenda a long time ago of lifting up your voice like a trump and showing my people their sin. The churches have abandoned that a long time ago, and I don't see it returning to that. Isaiah 30 and verse 9 says, This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. And like I said, when, you as a, when, when your minister knows this about serving the people, that this is the way the people are, what do you expect? To get in return. That he would be sent out on a rail. He would be thrown out of the church. Your minister would. If he talked about. If he gave a hard sermon on. Thou shall not commit adultery. He would be thrown out. And never invited back. He knows that you see. So it really has to do with. Whether your people. Are at a maturity level. To even handle truth. And most are not. Most churchgoers, people to go to church, are not even, they haven't even begun a maturity level to even handle correction. I mean, just try to correct a person and see what happens. You know, just, just, just correction, you know, just general correction. People won't have it. I don't want anything to do with any type of correction. And so, you know, again, your preacher knows this. And so he knows that he has to tippy-toe around and appease the childish behaviors that he sees in the church. And, oh, I can't offend that person. I can't offend that. Oh, that person's living in sin. That person's living in That person's doing this. That person's shacked up. That person's, uh, you know, got, that, got several, um, several women there or whatever. You know, and he knows this. And he knows he can only talk about, well, smooth things, uh, sweet things, uh, uh, let's have fun. Let's talk. Let me let, let me talk like Donald Duck. Whatever you know. Let, hear me talk like Donald Duck. That will be cute. That will be fun. Let's make some jokes at church. You know, just a sort of a social club. A social club. It's really that's all it is. That's all church is really a social club where you go to meet 
business acquaintances or whatever and start up business deals and things like that. But it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not about anything that, it's not about God's agenda is what I'm saying. So when we consider this, what Isaiah is telling us, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's the way we are, is it not? So the end result is between six to 10,000 churches in America are dying each year. And that means over 100 will die this week. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. This nation needs to repent, but repent of what? What is sin? Few people, in fact, few religious people understand the definition of sin. As a nation, we need not only to repent, but we need to have the experience of repentance. Your religion is not enough. Too much confidence in religion can be the downfall of a nation. What is real religion? What is real repentance? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.